The views and opinions expressed by the following program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers and are not necessarily those of this station or Webster Rock Hill Ministries, its management or other hosts or underwriting sponsors. Programs presented by KWRHLP are for educational and entertainment purposes only. Greetings listeners in listener land. This is Arnold Stricker with Mark Langston of Tune. Our guest in studio is an American composer, guitarist, and recording artist who embodies the musical philosophies and traditions of classical North India traditional jazz, and classical composition with immersive studies in each of these disciplines. He's considered one of the finest jazz guitarists in St. Louis and has been voted one of the top guitarists by the St. Louis Riverfront Times Readers Poll, played symphony halls, jazz festivals, concert venues, clubs, charity events, and was one of the first artists to enter Russia from St. Louis on a three-city tour after Perestroika in 1994. Now, if those of you who are old enough to know what Perestroika was... I am. He shared the stage with Michael Manning, Imrat Khan, Jeff Haynes, Milton Hinton, opened for Frank, Michael Franks, Spira Gyra, Chris Bonte. Oh, wow. He's been featured in films, television shows, and advertisements, undergraduate work at Berkeley College of Music, graduate work at Webster University, only guitarist to be admitted into the prestigious Imhad Khani Harani, India's most prestigious family of musicians. He's ranked the top three of the New Age performing, recording artists, by B.T. Fasmer of New Age Music Guide, a two-time Global Music Awardee, nominated for numerous ZMR awards. And he was a 2017 ZMR nominee with a Top 10 Album of the Year nomination. He's a Grammy voter, has been on the ballot twice in four years for his recordings, Eagle Mountain and Open Waters. He's created a new musical syntax, integrating Indian classical music and Western music, encompassing elements from classical folk, bluegrass, and jazz, composer, guitarist, and performing artist, Todd Mosby, welcome to In Tune, Todd. Wow, that's quite an intro. You <laughs> read it all. <laughs> well, you know, we want our folks to know wow. we just don't have, you know, just the minor league right. guests on our show. Ain't <laughs> <laughs> no local yokel. <laughs> yeah. Although I am, but you're you're local, but you're not a yokel. Yeah. You you uh, I was really impressed when I was doing my research for the kinds of things that you have done, the places you've been, and you're going to be going on tour, which we're going to talk about later on in the broadcast. But uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, first of all, so people can get a background on who you are. And then what we're going to do is we're going to go into your playing. You're actually going to play, so folks, listen in. This is great. You know, He's one of the finest jazz guitarists mm-hmm. in St. Louis, probably if not the Midwest area. He has a, an album that's called Four Guitars, which features Will Ackerman, uh, Vin Downs, Todd, and Trevor Gordon Hall. And that's available, and all these uh, albums are available uh, on um, iTunes, right? iTunes, Amazon, the, the normal places, um, Spotify, um, my website, toddmosby.band, um, and uh, CD Baby, um, so there you go, folks. So- Actually, even Euclid Records, you can get hard copy of Ooh, my wow. my new recording, Open Waters. Okay, all right. There. There it is there. So, Todd, who's Todd Mosby? Who is he? Wait, 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 wait. Where did you go to school? Where'd you go to high school? Oh, no, don't ask me that. Please. <laughs> Where'd you go to high school? Okay, all right. All right, okay, I'll confess. I went to Whitfield. Did you? Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. That's yeah. all right. Okay. But that was back in Sorry the day when it was considered not what it is today. It was, uh, it was a very... Um, the school actually was a microcosm of uh, the world that I'm in and have been in as a musician for a long time. Because it, even though it was a very small school, the environment was uh, the social environment. I mean, it had everything from you know 
top end preppy to inner city kids to kids out you know in in the farmlands of Illinois. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's amazing. That's good. And uh, so I was able to cross a lot of platforms there. Although they did not offer music, um, it was it was kind of a catalyst. It forced me into areas that I wouldn't have gone normally to find music. So and it actually spurred my interest. So when I went to college. The two headmasters there are one of them. Well, actually, both of them said, "Look, we got a really good school for you. We, we think you'd do well there. They've got a great music program. Um, it'd be a good place for you to go and check it out. It's small. You know, it's in Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, okay, Salt Lake City, Utah. It was Westminster College, probably the only like oh. you know non-Norman Mormon college there in Utah. It's, right? Yeah, or in Salt Lake City. Yeah. It's, it's still there actually, but they had a phenomenal music program. Hmm. I went there. And started uh, my first class uh, in music where I actually was playing with an ensemble, you know, and studying it. Like, oh, what is the scale? You know, all the, you know, I, I, I did play it around in St. Louis and like washtub bands doing bluegrass and mm-hmm. everything else sure. coming out of the 70s folk rock era. But um, I entered that zone and it was, such, it was so much fun. I just thought, wow, man, I think I could do this for the rest of my life. And there's some great players there. And I got great guidance, and then, but all of them are leaving the next year. So uh, this other friend of mine from St. Louis said, "Hey, Todd, I'm going to Berkeley. Why don't you go there?" I went, "What?" I I, I said, "Are there trees? Are there mountains?" And they said, uh, <laughs> yeah. "A lot of buildings." Oh yeah, come on, because I wanted mountains and trees. So I get, you know, I, I'd never been to a big city. I'm from St. Louis, yeah. you know. It's like the subs, you know, suburbs, and the biggest city block I knew was something maybe like four, you know. Anyway, definitely not, you know. A mile square mile you know with four universities on it right <laughs> so i got there it was like a concrete jungle man but um i uh you know it's a very interesting experience on a lot of levels i grew in a lot of ways i saw a lot of things even more actually i think what i saw the mo- am i going on too long no you're oh. fine okay so what i saw the most out of berkeley i mean i saw all the great jazz artists i didn't even know who they were wow i saw like Joe Pass. I knew Joe Pass, but I saw like Bill Evans. I saw Pat Metheny when he first broke with Lyle Mays. Wow, I really? saw, um, oh my God, just all, all the, I can't, I, uh, Eberhard Weber, um, John Abercrombie. Uh, I mean, Mike Stern. I mean, I would go down to this club every Thursday night wow. and hear him play. And you just you could actually pay two dollars and sit in with a band if you wanted to, <laughs> but I just had my tape recorder and I was I was, I was so you know um, enamored. I, I was it was so difficult for me to learn music, and I was still trying to figure out how do you hold a pick, you know, <laughs> and uh, not a good place to be figuring that out at Berkeley. But I went there for mainly for composition and arranging, and then I found out in my last year that you know what you better get your guitar stuff together because you're gonna be playing your own stuff, and you better you know. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so um, fast forward years later, now Mike Menner's, Mike um, Stern is my mentor in New York City. So whenever I go there, I hook up with him and you know yeah. do a quick lesson and visit and stuff. So. See, even even if you've been playing a long time, you can still learn some things and get some information and <laughs> yeah, I was having know, a, nice feedback. I was having a hard time with Giant Steps and um, Tom Ken- Kennedy from St. Louis. I I knew. He was playing. He plays with Mike regularly. He, he, I called him. I said, "Look, you know, I, I checked out Mike's videos, and this is like this is like a couple of years back." And I said, "Can can you just like you know give me his number?" I'll, so I, I I hounded the man. I even went to his gig, you know, on when I hit New York City because I was there for some conferencing, and APAP conferencing, and then um, 
called him up. Finally, you know, I, I met with uh, with Tom because I hadn't seen him. We had dinner. I just said, yeah. he goes, how's it going with Mike? He said, I haven't been able to get a hold of him. I'll just go online and, you know, figure this stuff out. So anyway, the next day I get a call from Mike and, uh, hey, can you come on over, man? I said, oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> and so uh, anyway, um, so that, that was the beginning of a really interesting um Journey. So, when was the first time you remember picking up a guitar, or why guitar? Why not bass, or why not uh, another musical instrument? Okay, I, I was. Uh, I have a picture of myself, um, probably about six. My dad was giving me this like wooden Lindell guitar from uh, Famous Bar or something, you know. Oh. And yeah, I know. <laughs> We're talking <laughs> yeah. days, and um, he said. Uh, you know, because I saw the Beatles, and and my great grandmother was always bringing musical stuff over. So I had I loved beating on these things and making noise, you know, organized. But um, so that was the first time. But I didn't have lessons. I never. I mean, they my parents couldn't figure out. Oh, they just thought, well, you just do it. You know. So I was like, okay, and it was so hard. I couldn't do it. So, but finally, I went to trumpet at thirteen, um, and um, neighbors and started, like that. Huh? The neighbors you? like that. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, that's a whole nother story. But I um, but I got into a lot of Motown and you know playing along to the records and stuff. Um, about that same time, I was hanging out in Clayton, going to because I was living in New City, uh-huh. and oh. hanging out in Clayton. And uh, there was this beautiful little shop. This guy was an importer and from like all around the world, but a lot of Indian stuff from India. And he always had his incense burning, really, and these really cool music playing. And he had these records, you know, sitar records, serenade records, tabla. So I'd file through those and save my allowance, you know, and then just kind of go and buy those records and and the books too, Kilhill Gilbron. And he turned me on a lot of stuff. I don't even remember the man's name. I remember it was over by Seven Gables. You know, it wasn't in that building, but it was mm-hmm. like in that stores yeah. to the right of there, such a south of there. And um, yeah, I did a lot of. Uh, that's when I first started really hearing Indian music and really digging it, you know. And did that kind of continue when you were at Berkeley? Berkeley was a, no, that was, my main focus was, I mean, it was really, really difficult. This is not an easy journey. It's the only thing that's really, I mean, I think that's why I'm I'm still in it, because I'm still learning. It, it's a, I mean, it's so vast. And it, at first, it was so difficult. And I'm not alone. I mean, I talked to Mike. He goes, oh, man, I get headaches, you know. He was like, Mike Stern. And I'm like, God, well, good. And then I'm in good company, you know, because it was like, painfully difficult it was slow i was just like oh god you know and that's what kept me going um was the fact that it was so hard and challenging and and today it still is and and it's challenging on a number of levels but you know maybe in a you know another lifetime you know (laughs) it'll move it forward and you know another world or planet wherever and you know where music is appreciated a little bit. You know, is is like rewarded more, but um, financially. But uh, but this is um, more of a service industry. I've always thought right. of it like that. Right. And um, I just wish the rest of the world would catch up, like doctors and lawyers and you know other professionals. You know, if they gave their services away like like we do, I think it it balance the scales a little bit more. Yeah, I think people. They get what I'm going to say, but maybe they don't get it unless they've experienced it, that when you watch someone play or perform, whether it be like an ice skater or a skier or a gymnast or a musician Mm -hmm. or an athlete, that something looks easy 
or it sounds, wow, that sounds really, that's really great, that that's not something you just all of a sudden, you know, pick up an instrument or just go out and do. It takes years and years of toil and practice and effort and muscle memory and thought. And then once all that, I, you know, technical kind of gets under your fingers a little bit, you know, the musicality can really start to move then, and you can really start to play the music as it was intended, and you're not worrying about what the note is, and am I getting this key right, or whatever like that. that uh, yes, it, yeah, it becomes second nature. So it's, uh, I, I was listening to uh, Jason Bowe, the classical guitarist, um, explain that whole con you know it's basically the 10,000 hour rule where mm-hmm. you have to practice 10,000 hours like a golfer will practice the same move exactly or a baseball right. you know batter or pitcher or whatever the exact same way but okay there's a difference because I practiced years like not accurately and that was bad <laughs> so I had to go to Imrat to straighten myself out because nobody else could Imrat Khan but um but the rule is it's like if you were to liken it to a golfer okay for putting Let's say, you know, they'll first start like, you know, an inch from the hole, hit it, you know, then back it up, up till, till eventually at the end of the green and they're hitting it straight into the hole. Now, the reason they do that, if you started it just off like from the back of the green and hit you, you would miss. But what you're doing is you're building on consistent accuracy every time. So there, there's a number of hits that you do that is totally accurate that makes that 10,000 rule, you know, very very powerful you know so every time you hit that ball you're right in the hole so every time you practice a scale i mean if you're going too fast you slow it down man so you can really bring it into uh the muscle memory and get it in deep if i'm like like i was working on a tune the other night poor chord progression it's like oh man you know it was i was blanking out in some areas so i just okay stop focusing on this because if you run it blanking out that's how you're going to perform it. So mm-hmm. everything, just like that analogy with the golf, you know, putting, it's just like that. You have to slow it down, isolate the areas, iron them out, so that when you go on, you know, you're on. Now, granted, I've been performing for about 30 years, and I've got a lot of background, so I I can fall into a hole or a blank spot and pull out at a professional level that will still be acceptable. Just mm-hmm. like I can go on any stage, and if I'm not feeling well, I well, I still have a level of professionalism right. that I can flip that switch on. I'm there. It doesn't matter if I'm I got a major headache or whatever. Or totally, you know. And then uh, the music itself. And if you're when you're playing by yourself, that's one way, one one gig. But when you're playing with others, that's that's a whole nother gig. And, mm-hmm. and the energy level is just different. You right. know. So you're contributing to the whole pie. But anyway. So there's a level, you switch, you flip on, and I can go there at any moment, any time, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, when you can say your performance is okay, and other people thought it was really great, okay. you yeah. know, then you're, you're doing okay. Because that's true. You, you can't be on top of the game all the time, and, you, you know, right. there are certain physical things like headaches and, you know, other things that happen to you that distract you from really giving your energy towards that. Right, and I, I do a lot of performing arts centers, and, I mean, you cannot, these things are like, these contracts are set out sometimes three years in advance and the prep work that goes in, you cannot not show. Now, if you're a sideman, you can do that. But I mean, even still you can't because you're on tour with a bunch of people and it's like, you know, it's a team effort, you know? So every, everybody, and you're there for the audience, you know, you've got this music that you're, I mean, it's so fun to write music 
and hear it. Like when I'm practicing, I have a loop machine, you know, I'll be playing, oh man, what a cool progression. I start jamming on it. I'm going, oh man, it's like so exciting. And then it's like, oh, then it's like, well, I want to share this with other people. So to be the first one to hear that and then go out and share it with others, it's, it's just an amazing thing. Now, do you mainly write for yourself or do you write for other people too? Um, I, I since about nineteen or about two thousand four. I mean, I, I had a recording studio. Or mm-hmm. Actually, it was a composition studio, and mm-hmm. I, I was doing a lot of work locally for video, some TV, and in uh, production work as well. But uh, I the market for what I was doing was not in St. Louis, so I sold all my gear. No, actually, it's like nineteen ninety nine. I sold all that gear, and I just started writing music for stage and performance. Mm-hmm. And I mean. I would write because I was playing corporate gigs, so I wrote music for corporate gigs. I mean, mm-hmm. along to, with doing the straight-ahead standards, um, I would play bars. I wrote music for bars. You know, it was more upbeat, mm-hmm. you know, in, in your face, not totally in your face, but upfront kind of music. Then I wrote music for total background. And so I, I wrote for the situations I was in. And that's how a composer needs to do. Um, I just wrote a symphony... Um, off of uh, for two recordings off Eagle Mountain. Wow, a symphony. First, first one with uh, uh, Will Ackerman, and yes, and uh, two tone poems off of here. The title track Eagle Mountain, and also Moon Song. That's going to be performed in March by the U City S- symphony. symphony. Yeah, with Leon Burke, and also so that's going to be the opener for Michael Silverman's uh, piece with Pital Williams and and Bach to the Future. So yeah. it's going to be a really fun evening. Hey, we're talking to Todd Mosby. This is Arnold Stricker with Mark Langston of Intune. You know, speaking of that, um, I, I had that down here. That's March the 3rd. Yeah. So it's premiering the three-tone poems from your uh, CD on Eagle Mountain. And uh, it will also be along with Moonsong and Mountain Lullaby as an interlude section. There will be visual accompaniment. And that first performance... Uh, it received its first performance in April of 2018 with only Eagle Mountain on the program. But this is going to be March 3rd, 2020, the U-City Orchestra. Leon Burke, I know Leon, Leon accompanied me on cl- when I was a clarinet player up at uh, University of Kansas. Oh, wow. So uh, yeah, yeah, Leon and I, Leon's a U-City guy, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Mark's a U-City guy, too. Okay, okay, yeah. cool, cool. So everybody's in the house here. And uh, Mike is a Webster Groves guy. He uh-huh. lives uh, not too far here from the studio, so... But he hails from U-City. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. He hailed from U-City, correct. So uh, you also did a, a premiere concert down at the World Chess Hall of Fame, which I, I found was interesting. What was that like? That was really fun. Okay, I, um, I got a call from uh, the cellist. Help me. I just forgot his name. Um, Bjorn Ronheim. Oh, Bjorn. Yeah, Ronheim. Oh, my gosh. What, that was so much fun. So at first I was going to do, uh, he said, yeah, why don't you just come on and do your solo gig? I said, oh, okay. But, but I knew Bjorn played, and he was totally open to you know performing. So I said, look, why don't, I, why don't I bring you in on a few tunes? And he said, fine, you know, just awesome. Because some of the tunes I was going to do, actually, on this, the Eagle Mountain has cello on it, mm-hmm. and uh, the uh, Open Waters has some violin, so I transcribed okay so anyway we wound up um doing uh i i had played um did the opening thing for the uh st louis um indian music festival right um so i opened that and i was working with a tabla player so i said hey hey i i just threw it out there why don't i come down with the tabla i'll i'll do the um 
you know, solo, you know, and then I'll mix in some tabla Indian and we'll bring, you know, build it from solo to duo to trio. And he said, great, excellent. He got some extra funding for the tabla player. And, uh, I, you know, it was beautiful. It was, I love those kind of situations because I can write and rescore my music and reimagine it for yeah. different instruments because that's, that's what it's about. And um, the room is amazing. It's like a salon concert. It's huh. like, a, think of like 18, late 1800s in Paris, you know, maybe Chopin or even up to Debussy, you know, playing in these beautiful salons with a beautiful hall, you know, nice room, nice acoustics. And it was, it was really cool. Very cool. So when we come back from, we're going to take a break here coming up. When we come back from uh, the break, I want to talk to Todd about, where he's actually going to play a little bit for us. And he has two instruments here. He has his Martin guitar, but he also has an instrument called... The Imrat guitar. The Imrat guitar. And he is, I would say, you're the inventor. You're the founder of the Imrat guitar. You're the builder of the Imrat. Uh, no, actually, it was a team. A team, so okay. It was a design team. So okay. it, was, it was myself, Imrat Khan, and Kim Schwartz. Kim Schwartz was the luthier, the builder. Um, Imrat we used to go to for design concepts, say, is this going to work? Da, 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 is this what we want? He, oh, no, change this. Like, you know. and, and then I put everything to my design specs. So I was the one that kind of coordinated everybody. I did the commission on it. And uh, this is the fifth in, in its series. Okay. Um, it still needs some modifications. modifications. Yeah. I mean, and then we'll go. So we, we, will, we will hold that up for the listeners so they can see that. <laughs> No, we we will describe what that Imrock guitar is like because it it is different and um, it's it's like what I would say a cross between a sitar and a guitar. Yes, it has two double necks uh, or a double neck. It's a modern day harp guitar, mm-hmm. so the strings um, are pitched above the high string, so it's a very angelic sound. And then it's got uh, basically four plain strings. A very wide neck so you can pull on it, and it's got a very round sound. Okay, we will come back after the break. This is Arnold Strick with Mark Langston of Intune. You're listening to KWRH 92.9 FM, your community radio station in Webster Groves, Missouri. Welcome back to Intune. This is Arnold Stricker with Mark Langston. We've been talking to Todd Mosby, who is a composer-guitarist in the area, but he's just not a composer-guitarist. He's more an extraordinary kind of individual who has really reached a realm of musicality that many people do not. Matter of fact, he's going to have a concert. They're going on tour, and his concert is next Thursday, January 16th, at the Sky Music Hall, 930 Curse Mill Road in Baldwin. And that is a 7.30 to 9.30 concert. The doors open at 7. You can get tickets at toddmosby.band or Eventbrite and just punch in Todd Mosby. That's M-O-S-B-Y. So that's kind of the kickoff of the tour. We're going to talk a little bit more about the tour, but Todd's going to play a little bit for us, and he's got the Imrot uh, before us right now. We're looking at that, and it looks like a regular guitar with an extended neck, which goes to kind of one of the... um, uh, shoulders of the guitar. Eighteen. It looks like there's eighteen strings on that. Is that mm-hmm. eighteen? Eighteen. So tell us a little bit more about uh, this particular instrument. Okay, so you can call it a hybrid sitar guitar, or uh, more of a contemporary harp guitar, or Imrat would call this a guitar of this century, because it allows Western musicians to access. Eastern or Indian melody, you know, hmm. the intricacies nice. of that through pulling. Mm-hmm. 
then you've got the harp strings. So what that does, and if you can hear that, it resonates. So what it does is actually catch the, the catch note. the harmonics. You're pushing, yeah, pulling, yeah, and extends it out longer. So also, it's where you tune into too to make sure you're in tune. So I've got a wide neck, mm-hmm. and there's only, as you can see, I'd say there's about an inch clearance from this highest pitch string, and the frets are scalloped. So what it allows me to do is pull with maximum accuracy. And I can even get a little... Get, you know, really nice vocal inflection. Um, like if blues guitar had ever developed, if the instrument developed along the lines with the music, it would have probably gone like this because uh, regular hmm. guitar is a little limited. Mm-hmm. You can't really pull. If you notice, uh, Jimi Hendrix in his early days played the guitar upside down, right? And the, the high E string was, you know, at the where the low E string is. But that what that did was allowed him to pull, like I can pull now. So you get maximum um, efficiency and control on a pull. So he was actually able to pull down to his third string. And what folks, what he's doing, he's pulling actually pulling that string down about an inch. Not in really good tune. Shame on me. We, we talked for a half an hour, so it, it, it reacclimated itself. Yes. It's very sensitive. When you do a concert, I mean, it's part of the concert for North Indian music is actually tuning. I mean, because you're, what you're doing is you're tuning yourself, the instrument, and the audience to, to the music. Um, so you have, what, like three strings, four strings there right above the yes, the neck? Uh-huh. The, uh, these are called jacaras. They serve, you know, it's like ground zero. This is where I... So it's do. So I tune into, this is do, so it's constantly going... I hit it. Hmm. And that's actually a, a nice pulling exercise for you know doing blues or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, so that allows Western guys to access that with the harmonic, with these harp strings are synthetics. Um, and then you can also allows Western or Eastern guys. popular is this particular Imrock guitar becoming? Or is it is it well known around? Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, that's like one of my goals mm-hmm. um, is to get this thing because for a guitar player, look, there's only you got C, C, G, C. That's it. There's only three strings, so the notes learning it on the instrument is like real simple. Right. But you can play the way I have it tuned, which is tuned to an ancient Rudrabina. I did some research. I can't. I was. We were searching high and low for you know a decent tuning, 
but I was doing some research and I, you know, I was with Imran. I mean, I changed strings like um, so many times, you know, the, getting the proper tension and everything. I just, I almost, I don't even want to, I hate changing my strings now because of that. But, but you know, I finally settled on this instrument. Um, I found Ruchavina and, and they had the same tuning. And I, I applied it to my uh, other guitar, that six string, because mm-hmm. I didn't have this one yet. And then I started... Then when I got this, it just fit like a glove. As I noticed, really the enharmonics of when you were playing the the chords, yeah, was just really big. Yes. Yeah. What's the interaction between the sitar player and the tabla? What is that dynamic like? Uh, that is, okay, tabla usually comes on in a classical North Indian concert. What you have to think of it is, uh, I think of it like, you know, four movements of a symphony. Mm-hmm. Um, it first starts, and, and the way the whole metronomic range of a concert goes for one rog you know, it can last five minutes or five hours, you know, so it's, it can be compressed or expanded time-wise, just depending. But, um, but, uh, but it, the metronomic range starts from point zero to the highest metronomic scale, you know, that there is, you know, and that depends on the ability of the tabla player mm-hmm. and the uh, sitar player. Um, so it starts off with an alop, which is very slow. No time. You're just introducing the notes of the scale. So if I'm doing... That's called Yaman Kalyani. It's a five-note pentatonic mm-hmm. up, like seven, nine, uh, three, sharp four, six, seven, one, seven, six, five, sharp four, three, two, one. So you skip one and five going up, but then you play it going down. But then it becomes like a chess game because you can't go... But you can go. <laughs> and what that does is, you know, in Western music, we have like jazz improv, we have chords to play into, mm-hmm. and, and we, you know, build stories around the chord. What you have to do here is build, build stories around the skipped notes. Hmm. And then each rock has a pattern, you know, that's unique to it. Like, Kalyan has. It really establishes the sound of that scale in that. So I can go like that up, but I can't. That's a whole nother rag. So anybody that knows, you know, like Indian music, people that know rag music, it's like Italians knowing opera. You cannot do, they know the name of every opera, you know. It's right. like, it's part of their culture. Which actually, in Indian music, it used to be, and this is because I studied philosophy with him. When you study with a guru, you learn philosophy, you learn history, you learn music, 
you learn you know how to be a human being <laughs> you know you learn to be you know all the beautiful aspects of of humanity um and uh when you study like that and so uh so he brought me into that world even though he was living in st louis so there's no way i could access this man if i were in india you know i didn't know anything so, but he was in St. Louis looking for students, and you know I was pretty willing to pick from that huge tree of uh, knowledge. Right. And um, so, but so, but it becomes a game, and then you know it. Then so to get back to where the tabla comes in, so it starts off all up, then the gut is introduced. Like so, I just I'll do a really show. For, so all up. And you introduce the the licks or the puckers is what they call it. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then so this is a sixteen beat one two three four five six. Then the tablas come in, you know, and the top you do is start at a medium. what's called the manja you know the gut is like the head manja so it'd be like the b section or the bridge mm-hmm. then they also have an entra so gut starts the middle register manja goes lower register entra goes higher register And then you play with the tabla, and then you go into what's called the mudale, and then it's like a play between, you know, you do licks and tons, mm-hmm. Bill starts off the melody. So one, two, three, four, five, and six, and seven, eight. your runs based off of that and you usually start small and to really long long extended things like that and then the tempo builds up right to the next level of tempo and then you move it to uh um what's called the dirda section that'd be like the third movement which it begins moving faster you know really fast right hand I don't have my right pick, but anyway, so you go really fast, like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I need a different pick. Anyway, so this is too early, but anyway, so um, and then it goes to the entra, which is a very fast section, um, and you use a lot of. Uh, well, let me see if I can do it. I may have to stand back. So. So.
hear the top of the beat. Yeah, really, and that's yeah. his gig. So he goes really fast. Yeah, and you're just kind of accompanying it based on the melody or the puckers of the rog. like that but you know if George Harrison had one of these things he would have probably done uh, you know maybe opened it with a raw an all up like I'll do a quick maybe nor you know everybody remembers Norwegian boy or yeah. something okay so let's see what I can do start with a little all up That was that was crazy good. That was crazy good. I think I I should be applauding. Uh, I should be it. applauding for that. Thank you. Thank that you. was great. Hey, you can now the tour. You're you're going 
where after the concert, because the concert, folks, don't forget, it's next Thursday at Sky Music Lounge, and you're taking some folks with you. So talk a little bit about that. Uh, yes, I have uh, the ensemble consists of Michael Mannering. He's probably the world's uh, leading bass player. Um, he's got this crazy instrument he embedded called the hyper bass. And, uh, you know, he'll, I'll be having him feature that as like doing an interlude uh, on that. So, but he's like, he started with Jacko Pastores, but he's been a leading figure on the bass scene. And also the main guy for responsible for all those solo bass players out there. Yeah. So, um, if you're into bass or just that sound and you want to hear what that sucker can do, this guy is like amazing. Um, he was also Wyndham Hill's first call bass player for years. Mm. He's a Grammy nominated uh, bass player. He's got a couple of albums out on his own and he's probably one of the most uh, sought after um, active bass players on the scene today. Um, Jimmy Hayslip is there, but I would, you know, consider this guy is they're, they're all very high caliber He's a very high-caliber player. Um, I've got uh, Lola uh, Christine Henneke. She's uh, based in um, Los Angeles now. She's, she'll be on vocals and piano. Amazing vocalist, singer-songwriter in her whole, own right. I've been working with her since my days at Webster University. Uh, she was on my recital <laughs> singing stuff that nobody should have ever sung. In their, you know, I, I wrote music that should never have been written for a vocalist, but you know, she just pulled it out of the hat. No she has a very good voice. Very good voice, very very talented, very huge range coming out of such a small little body. Yeah, and and we also uh, she was really kind enough to put lyrics to uh, uh, one of the tunes on my Open Water CD okay. called Western Sky, and um, but I have a lot of vocalists that I get access to her voice on, and you know it's it's just a lot of fun. She's not featured on the Open Waters recording as well. She came up and tracked. Um, actually, we toured the, a lot of this music before I even recorded it, so we all knew it. Mm-hmm. Um, then I've got uh, Brian Tobin on guitar and vocals. Amazing. He's based in St. Louis now and just amazing vocalist and guitarist. I was over at his house the other night jamming. Had so much fun. We were doing like a bunch of uh, Grateful Dead. <laughs> you know, we were rehearsing, but then we fell into this Grateful Dead zone and it was like other America <laughs> and just like this folk music from this. How do you know this? You're just a kid, man. I grew up in <laughs> <laughs> but his parents obviously listened to it, and that's where he picked that up. And then Kevin Cayley, he's based in uh, Ithaca, New York. I, again, I met him in uh, Webster University, and he actually, because uh, I've been touring now with him on the past couple of runs out, and he, he told me, uh, yeah, Dad, I studied with him. I go, what? How did that happen? But I took him over there, and I didn't realize that he continued his studies with him. So he's a drummer that's got amazing chops, like because Imrat was teaching you know him how to play tablas on drums. Okay, and uh, so I love his playing, man. He's just amazing. He's probably one of the most tasteful drummers I've I've played with, and I played with a lot. And um, but you know, uh, anyway, so uh, Gary Sykes is an amazing drummer. I love playing with him, and he's like he throws rhythms out like oh my gosh. I mean, it, to cut through. The barrage of rhythms, and because he's throwing so much information out, there's so much to choose from. Kevin is like more along the Dijonette line, is like really smooth, cool, whereas uh, Gary's more along the Elvin Jones line, um, a lot of energy. And uh, but so I, I, I love both those styles, but um, this fits pretty nicely for this kind of music. And uh, and and myself, um, we're going from 
immediately from the gig, at least me and Michael driving, you know, straight after the third, the 16th gig that night we leave and we're driving straight to Ardmore cause we have a, a day concert, um, to do. And then the other guys are coming, you know, that day they can, you know, cause we have a Saturday night concert in Ardmore, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And then we got another one in Richardson, Texas at the Iceman performing arts center. Um, Ardmore's in their performing arts center, and then um, we've got a couple of house concerts going out. You know, we have some downtime in between, and so uh, I booked a bunch of house concerts for Michael and myself. And Lola's got some house concerts she's doing up and uh, out there as well. So then we reconvene back in Richardson. And you're, um, then you, you actually uh, you have a concert scheduled at the Grandel too. Yes. Uh, yeah. That's and kind of blue also. Kind of blue. Yeah. That's a that's a smaller thing. That's with a a local trio I'm working with. But actually, I'm pulling from my old catalog, and that's gonna be a lot of fun. I did something at the you know in town here at the Garden Cafe with uh, Rob um, Rowe, and it was really cool. We did a really uh had a really fun outing. So that's like an organ trio, and uh, with drums, guitar, and uh, or. Oregon, oh my God, it's it's a lot of fun. It's small, compact. Uh, at the Grandel, it'd be with a, a sax player there, uh-huh. so it'd be a quartet. But still, it's going to be a fun gig. Um, and I'll just be pulling from my old catalog and doing a bunch of old jazz standards, you know, choice standards um, that by Thelonious Monk, um, Miles Davis, uh, even some by uh, what's his uh, not Ornett Coleman. Ornette Coleman? No, Night and Day. Who wrote that? Night and uh, Day. That, anyway, by those... That's those guys. <laughs> Americans, Great <laughs> American Songbook, yes. Uh, I, let me say on the 16th, though, it's, got, it's called actually the Stars uh, Stars in the Night. So all of us, myself, um, Tracy Silverman is coming up on violin from uh, Nashville. He's like Nashville's A-list player. Um, and he also was started with Wyndham Hill. Hmm. So him and Michael Manring, you know, I'm going to team them up on like a, a really cool solo duet. And yeah. then I'm, I'm lassoing that guy in on some of my open water CD releases that use violin. And then I'm going to bring uh, Silverman in to do some of the string pads on that. And then on the back end of it, you know, because Mike's band, Back to the Future, opens. And then, um, then we're going to do, on the back end, we're going to do some like, you know, more like trickery and, and my Michael Silverman wanted me to pull some tunes that I had, you know, from the past. So I'll do like my uh, stuff I did from this album I did called Missouri Music and I'll be doing country country song off that one. My version of country music actually is more like bluegrass music. So. <laughs> so they, they have they have a, a linkage there. They have yeah. a linkage. Yeah. Hey folks, don't forget, uh, Todd's gonna be at Sky Music Hall. That's next Thursday, January sixteenth. Doors open at 7 o'clock. Sky Music Hall is located at 930 Kerr's Mill Road in Baldwin. If you want tickets, go to toddmosby.band, or you can check on Eventbrite and just punch in Todd Mosby's name, and you'll get more information. Todd, I really appreciate you coming in today and bringing your babies in here and uh, playing for us. I, I love the Norwegian wood. Yeah. That was that was a, a, a nice piece peaceful interlude. Now, folks, I hope that you enjoyed that listening on the, on the radio. Uh, we... Uh, we want to be able to support you and get the word out, so don't forget next Thursday, folks. Todd, thanks for coming in today. Thanks a lot for having me, Arnold. I really appreciate it. You're listening to In Tune. This is Arnold Strucker with Mark Langston. KWRH 92.9 FM, your community radio station in Webster Groves, Missouri. Webster Groves, Missouri.